Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's May Chexic discussion group call. I'm getting here towards the end of November. Oh, today was my sister's birthday, and I did not send her a happy birthday. I should have done that. Anyway, I'm just on here with... Uh, uh, Right now, I'm talking with our co-host, uh, Keith, and we're kind of discussing some of the things we go through and stuff that we experience. And is a lot of people think, oh, maybe your life is golden. It's perfect. Oh, it's not really the case. And also, when it comes to, like, explaining different things and how different things work to uh, people. And so, um, Keith, I'll let you, I guess, uh, pick up with uh, where you're leaving off there. All right. Thanks, Brian. And of course, greetings, everyone. Um, one of the things that Brian and I were talking about is um, before the recording was that some people expect that when you get a like a template or something from somebody else, that it's automatically going to work. And that's not the case. What happens a lot of times is somebody will put something out that worked for them because they stood on the information that they presented, they did their research, they were able to follow up, da, 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 da. And when you go about using a template without knowing the information in it, it, there's no way of saying whether it's gonna work or not. So when it comes to our background histories, we've become successful in what we do in various different ways. You know, some people have driver's licenses and they use them effectively in accordance with uh, UCC 1-308 or something. You know, they use other instruments to enforce them. Others, like myself, I gave up the entirety of all banking. I quit signing documents. That works for me and has worked for almost six years now. Like Again, like I was saying before the uh, recording started, people ask me, well, where's your proof? Well, if you look up, look me up in the criminal or civil history of the Iowa courts under Keith Orland Little, you'll see that there's 93 cases in just over three decades. And then when I put my foot down and said no more, um, all of a sudden the record's clean. And that's because I quit signing everything and I let them know I'm not going to sign your documents anymore. If there's going to be any signing, I'm going to make the document and then you'll sign it in agreement this is one of the things that i learned about putting your your words down on paper coin your words or purse your lips and a lot of people i think take me wrong when i say purse your lips i don't mean zip your lips shut i mean learn i mean research so that when you open your mouth it's diplomatic you're using true words in beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god there should be no contact without that word because every word of god is pure and he is a shield unto them that put their trust in him this is how i look at the contra- construct of all trusts and contracts the words have to be specific it can't be ambiguous or anything like that so i look at things in plain writing and that's what i break it down to some people want to follow people like russell j gould and and do the syntaxing others want to use uh uh, patriot guru schemes or 
things like that, or do the UCC or various different methods. You can use any other any of those methods as long as you have the knowledge. This is the basis of all trust. We're supposed to be the beneficiaries of the benefit. And the benefit isn't naturally uh, the actual use of the substantive materials, but the substance of the use itself, which is knowledge of how to use it. So the true benefit is the knowledge, the know-how, and that's what we're supposed to benefit. Therefore, we see Hosea 4, verse 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. This very simply states that the grant of the trust is his knowledge. In beginning was the word, and the word was with God. If you accept that word, you can take benefit. That's where you get knowledge. And then it says, ask and ye shall receive. We're promised his immutable counsel. And that's who we're supposed to ask. And that's what we're supposed to receive is his knowledge of how to use things in this world. That's how I see it. But other people, again, like I said, you can use the different formats that they have available as long as you have that know-how. Know-how. That makes sense? Yeah, absolutely. You've got to have the knowledge behind it because you've got to, you're going to be tested. You're absolutely going to be tested and you're going to be able to, you're going to have to be able to stand on what you did. You know, if somebody else just kind of did all the work for you, you maybe signed on the dotted line or something, then you're not going to hold the knowledge sufficient to be able to stand on what happens, you know, when that time of trial or testing comes. And, you know, at the same time, I was mentioning that, you know, listen to a lot of these different people teach different ideas and things. I'll hear it's frustrating because I'll hear some people say, you know, uh, well, you do, you're supposed to do A, B, and C. And the people will ask, well, is what I expect to, uh, you know, have happened? Is it going to happen? And they'll say things like, well, it should happen, or it may happen, or this is what's supposed to happen. And myself, when I hear that, that really tells me that what they're doing is kind of using these people as a guinea pig, and they haven't actually done it themselves to see what kind of results come from it. If so, they can say, hey, this is what I did. These were some of the quirks that I went through and how I overcame it. Um, but at the same time, people need to realize that this is really the same reason why an attorney will never guarantee the outcome of a case because they don't know what judge they're going to be in front of or what judicial administrator they're going to be seeing, uh, whose, whose lap it's going to end up in, you know, for all they know. You know, it might be a super great guy and they might have a lot of success with that certain administrator, but they don't know that, you know, who, who knows, you know, the night before his wife might have beat the crap out of him and he ended up sleeping all night out in the car and he's coming in, uh, you know, with maybe a hangover or at least a bad attitude at best, you know, so you can't guarantee what, what they're going to do is you can't guarantee their state of mind. Um, the, the courts you know, they have, as has been stated many times, they have combined, you know, the statutes and equity together. And everybody thinks equity is such a great thing. But the situation with equity is that as opposed to statutes, which say, if this happens, this is a guideline and this is how you rule. You know what I mean? 
uh, with equity, that's where their discretion comes in. So if this administrator, this judge had a bad night last night, um, his use of equity might not be exactly what you're looking for the next morning. So yeah. court, so. Well, and th this is the important th thing about uh, what I said, you gotta know what you're doing because in order to receive equity, one must first bring equity. And when it comes to the statutory laws, everybody gotta remember, it's got a letter of the law, which is what they follow. And then there's the, a, the extent of the law, which is the substance, the intent. And this is the equity side. So the statutory law is what is known as equitable. In other words, it you can bring equity to it if you can bring them out of the wording of it and show them the intent. Otherwise, they're going to stick to the wording of it according to the intent of the judicial system. This is where a lot of people err is that they think the judicial system is so important, but realize that that's just the only that, that that's only the the most important element in their jurisdiction in order to maintain jurisdiction once you bring it out of the judicial element that's when you're talking about equity that's when you bring it about the intent before it was commercialized or put some kind of commercial value to it is that the intent is always supposed to be equity always yeah let me let me give an example of that as well because a lot of people hear that statement uh, that maxim of law regarding you know, doing equity or bringing equity. And they're like, okay, well, what does that mean? Uh, let me give you an example for, of that. Um, say it's a scenario where you have a dispute with somebody and you've tried to work it out ahead of time. Uh, say, for instance, you use administrative process, which in honor, which is equitable, in honor, you sent them a notice and said, here's the problem, da, da, da. Um, I would like you to rectify this. You've got, you know, 30 days. I'd like to see some results. And then in the administrative process, if they don't respond, you send them a second letter saying, hey, you know, I sent you a letter regarding this issue. I'm not sure if you lost it. Maybe the dog ate it. You know, I'm giving you an opportunity um, to take care of this. And, and this is, you know, the time to cure. That's what it's referred to. And, and then, you know, you don't hear anything back again. You send them a third letter and notice them that uh, they are in default for non-response, you know. And, and so what you would be doing, and that would be bringing equity, say, for instance, to the court. You're saying, this is what I did. I tried to stay in honor. I did A, B, C, and D or whatever with this individual. I'm not getting anywhere. And that's why we stand here today. Yes, an attempt in good faith. Yes. They recognize so. that. Mm -hmm. And that's also where the, the clean hands doctrine would come in as well, because clean hands is an equitable doctrine, uh, which means that what you're requesting, say, from the other party, isn't something where you are somehow going to unjustly gain or anything like that. Or be detrimental to them. Or, is, yeah, or harm them, correct. And this is what I like about 50 U.S.C. 4305, because it specifically speaks of full acquittance and discharge, wherein no person shall be held liable in any court. So that full acquittance and discharge works on both sides of the record. That sounds like a zero to zero balance. Yes, absolutely. Well, and, and like, for instance, like I, I described one time with a uh, tenant that I had, 
um, that when I had taken over um, a building, I, I went to them and, you know, you give everybody an opportunity to sign a new lease. Hey, there's a new guy running things. And uh, these people decided, no, they said, well, we're not signing anything. We already signed a lease with the other. And I'm like, well, he's not the owner anymore. They're like, no, we're not signing. I said, that, that's fine. That's fine. I didn't argue with him a bit because that was actually a, uh, a release of liability on my side as well. So when they came to me a couple months later and said, hey, we got a problem. Uh, the air conditioner broke. I was like, yeah. And they said, well, can you fix it? Are you going to fix it? And I reminded them, listen, that is part of something that's stated within a lease. You know, a lot of people think that maybe all contracts are evil, but they're not, not necessarily. In a situation like this, I explained to them, you know, that the lease doesn't just protect the landlord, but it also protects the tenants. And I said, right now, I have no contract with you people. You are just paying month to month. And however, when you leave, everything that was working when I took over the property it needs to still be working when you leave, you know. And they totally understood that and they saw the benefits to it. And in fact, the, the gentleman started doing extra things uh, to uh, remodel the unit that they had. Um, you're doing. Yeah, backsplash in the kitchen, things like that. So then he, so he started bringing equity as well. <laughs> when people see that equity working for themselves, then they're willing to put an effort into it. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's the thing that uh, people need to realize is looking at a situation or a difficulty. I mean, think of the old adage of making lemonade out of lemons. You know. Um, give you a for instance i had somebody come to me that they had an issue actually it was a friend of theirs a close relative in matter of fact that had an issue where i don't want to be real specific here but they had gotten in trouble because of someone's actions that was within their vehicle okay and the state was trying to hold both of them liable in the situation well part of what took place um really showed that there was harm done to them because of the actions by the other party and so that's a great place to come in and uh, you're putting in an extra claim it's not really a counterclaim against uh, the original moving party but it's a claim against somebody else and right. so you're using that it, what you, and what you're doing is you're actually giving fodder or you're giving ammunition uh, to the other moving party, which would benefit them to go after the other individuals that was in the car and not just the driver as well. And that's exactly what they ended up doing. They end up releasing the driver of any of the liability. And now they actually had double charges that they could go against this other individual with. So yeah. you've got to kind of take a step back and look at things with a clear mind and think of what all of the alternatives are in this situation, how it can help, how it can hinder, and how you can use things to your benefit. Because majority of the time, there's always something that can be used to your benefit. Yeah, and that's the thing that uh, <laughs> is surprising most people. 
most people think they're benefiting from buying the things that they get and then have them taken away and then try to learn then try to figure out how they're supposed to benefit from the system without having any knowledge of anything that's why i say people really need to step up and learn through knowledge of their own research what is true because i can't tell you that my situation that you should just quit signing everything i can't tell you what that effect's going to be for me you got them to leave me alone and that's only because i'm in a particular situation where i don't have to sign anything if you got a business you're still stuck into signing documents you got to learn how to slowly move out of that system or work with it or the other yeah and situation like that and really it works really good for anybody is to put another party in between you and um the other side so it's not it's just two parties involved and now it's three parties but that third party that you've got involved is somebody that's acting as an intermediary for you. Um, and it's part of the whole agent principal relationship and everything runs on the agent principal relationship. People yep. don't realize it, but I mean, at your work, wherever you work at, you have entered a role as an agent for your principal, which would be the employer. And uh, it's a level of limited agency because there's only certain things you're allowed to perform for the company, but you're acting as an agent. And the more people really start paying attention and, and comprehending how the agent principal relationship works, you start seeing it everywhere. And it's, it's also used as a hedge of protection. Um, you don't really think that say like a, Mitt Romney or Obama or you know some of these top people that we see you don't think that they are hands-on with everything in your in their life do you no they've got other people performing the things for them and that gives them a separation that gives them a little bit of a wall um, that's why many of these people they've got chauffeurs it's not just because they're rich and they want to be able to do things on their PC in the back of the limo going back and forth to places. It's, it's not the only reason it's because that also gives them a little bit of a buffer wall because now there is somebody else operating the vehicle for them. And that person is essentially acting in a capacity of limited agency uh, for them. And so if they end up making uh, say a, a left turn at a red light and get a ticket guess what the chauffeur gets a ticket you might pay it for them but it's not you getting the ticket that's just a very common example of you know a, a wall that they use yeah you got somebody else that can act as trustee for you and learn how to use that trustee you can be the beneficiary of a chauffeur light even chauffeur right even if you're a trustee yourself yeah, absolutely. Agent principal is really the format that uh, trusts work in. And everything around you in life is a trust, whether you realize it or not. Uh, right down to the roads you travel on are all held in trust. Yeah. Postal roads and trusts. Or po postal roads and routes to the postal trust. Yeah. And I've got a hat that I wear, and actually I've got a shirt that says the same thing. It just has the word liability on it. 
<laughs> and it, it's it's a great conversation starter, actually, you know, because uh, my attitude is one, uh, it's my way of providing you notice. <laughs> that yeah. I, I'm, I might be a liability, <laughs> uh, but it's also a great conversation starter oh. to be able to explain to people that everything is really about liability. That's why insurance runs everything. Everybody's trying yeah. to protect themselves from liability. Yeah, for the social welfare and the common good. Yeah. Heaven sakes, don't hurt anybody. Okay, I'll be in fear of my life from damage from somebody else suing me for the rest of my life. I better have insurance. And there's other little things that can be done to protect yourself from liability. I mean, I've been kicking around the idea of doing a course on um, uh, protecting your life. And, you know, one of the things within that uh, would be even say just your own mail and how you receive mail. Um, uh, what you're doing regarding a residency or an address, if you have that floating around out there anywhere, uh, that can be gotten rid of um, fairly easily. But also uh, probably a better thing to do is utilizing this agent principal relationship and having somebody else um, be basically the, the trustee of your mail or the agent for your mail. Uh, they, they handle all service of process, which is uh, really what mail is used for the most, the service of process, whether people realize it or not. Well, that's of care of addresses, guys. Yeah, yeah, and that way as well, um, you don't have the location where you dwell or floating around out there and, you know, the public market for people to pull out and find and see. Um, that's a beautiful aspect of it right there. Like I was talking about, you know, that, that CEOs or some of these other heads or whatever. Um, you don't think uh, that they all have their primary place of dwelling, you know, floating around out there. You know, you might be able to go online and look up, Nancy Pelosi's home, for instance, okay, and, and see what Nancy Pelosi's home looks like. But are you really sure that that's her primary residence? I mean, that, that could be one of 10 places that she probably owns. Yeah, that's where one of her trustees works or lives or works or calls a residence for the service address. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because as a, as a tenant, as a tenant, in lieu of the landlord. Yeah. <laughs> a lieutenant. Well, because they, they have to have a primary uh, place of dwelling, uh, wherever district or area they're going to be serving at. You know, I remember after um, the Clintons left office, uh, Hillary went and uh, purchased a residence in New York. I mean, that right there was a telltale sign of what her next move and what her next plan was, you know. Yeah. So you can have, and uh, this might sound a little shady, but I, I see it a lot in real estate. In real estate, for instance, if you purchase a home in order, say, for instance, to get 90, 95% loan on it or something like that, it needs to be declared as your primary residence. And you're only allowed to have one. Uh, but I've seen quite often where people might have as many as 10 of them. And do they get looked into? No. No, they don't. 
because the banks don't care as, as long as they're getting their money they really don't give a crap you know what i mean so you, the primary residence does not necessarily have to be where you really dwell at and i prefer not to refer to where i dwell as a residence uh, that kind of falls under another a definition for a different jurisdiction really than one that i participate in well so. it's a customs jurisdiction for foreign trade zones which is the specific use of the zip code zoning improvement plan and resident under 19 usc 810 is defined as the only persons allowed to reside in the zone are federal state or official or excuse me or municipal officials or agents so you have to be a state federal or municipal officer or an agent which means you have to have taken an oath to be classified as a resident and yep. those, are the only police, those are the only people they require those laws and, and codes and statutes to apply to one of the biggest things uh, postal was set up for um as time moved forward because i mean it really started in uh, germany and then in france um by the uh, oh what's the name of the family it'll come to my mind but anyway they, they were the ones that really initiated the postal routes and everything and uh, uh taxon yeah ta um they're not under texas yeah they're not texas family but um and so as time went on really in the usa the reason why it really got pushed was one of their main task also was taking care of the census and this was all set up uh, by uh, roosevelt i mean it was found benjamin franklin set this up and that was a big task in itself with with the census and interesting thing about benjamin franklin is I, I think a lot of people think he might have been a president but he was never a president and in fact he benjamin franklin was never a, a citizen of the united states either or of the usa or whatever you want to call it he, he was always a, a british subject yeah but, on the international level as a postmaster right so i you know and i mentioned their census is is being part of the task and a lot of people ask about every year you know or every couple of years when the census occurs I have a lot of people message me and say, oh, what do I do about the census? How do I handle this? And things like that. Well, number one, if um, you have your service of process for your mail set up somewhere else other than where you currently dwell at, you don't have that issue. You don't have that problem. You know, unless they're just walking around randomly knocking door to door to door. Uh, it, that's the only way you're ever going to be contacted. You're never going to receive that letter in the mail that says, please fill this out. You're not going to get that. Number one, because you don't have a mailbox. Number two, because that actually goes to another entity and not you. And right. so very simply, if anybody, and I have had it happen once, maybe twice, where they're going door to door, and they would come to my door and knock, and I always treat everybody pleasantly, always be very nice to people. Whether you're trying to file stuff with the clerk of courts, whatever the case is, always be extra nice to everybody, okay? You know what kind of day they've had, and you kind of want them on your side to 
move in the direction that you're wanting things to move in. So you always be nice, you know? And so I'd answer the door very politely with them and uh, they would start with their spiel and I would just stop them and say, I'm sorry, but this is not my place of residence. Yep. That's and it. People, people think that their dwelling is their, their place of residence when the residence is the um, location for service of process. It is known as a business location. I'm yep. sorry. I already complied to the business address. And and the same thing as well. I mean, uh, just some of the little pesky things. And, uh, you know, some people, I think, uh, feel maybe it's a duty or they should do it. But, you know, I was sitting in a park the other day and a couple uh, gentlemen approached me and I knew exactly what was coming. They were both carrying clipboards, you know, and they had kind of a satchel over their shoulder. And no, they weren't Mormons. But uh, yeah. they they were actually just walking around uh, asking people to sign a petition. And um, a lot of people might think it's a duty or that's a good thing to do or something like that. That's not always necessarily the case. And a lot of times those people aren't even passing out a legitimate petition. They're just getting names and addresses and signatures. And there's a lot of things you can do with those. All right. Yeah. But. I just politely said to him, I said, I'm sorry, but I'm not a registered voter. And the second you say that to somebody doing a petition, they politely say, oh, I'm sorry. And they walk away. Yep. Now, when I say that, you know, some people might think it's a duty or a good thing or helps the community. Um, I, I already mentioned one side of the coin, whereas a lot of times they're just collecting names and addresses and signatures and maybe phone numbers. Okay. But on another side of the coin as well, I look at these things affecting law, all right, and maybe affecting new codes or statutes that are going to occur for the community or even something a law for the state as a whole. And myself, I do not believe that I have the right as a man to force my will on my next door neighbor or on a friend. That, that's absolutely dishonorable for me to think I can force my will on them. And by participating, even in voting, you know, or participating in signing a petition, what you are doing is signing something, or whether you think it's right or wrong, whether it may be right or wrong, isn't the issue. The issue is, do you have the right to force your will on someone else? Exactly. And that's kind of where I draw the line, you know, and as far as even, you know, um, say jury duty, uh, because I'll tell you what, you won't get those summons anymore if you uh, rescind the voter's registration. Uh, but even with, with jury duty, uh, who are you? What right do you have as a man to try the guilt or innocence of another man? Um, that, that authority is really delegated to the creator and the creator only. And uh, man has felt justified to place their butt on the seat of the most holy and, and do it themselves and impose their will. And so once again, that, that, that's another position where I'm sorry, you don't have the right to force your will, uh, even if you're just, you know, maybe one member of 12 people on a panel that's coming up with a decision. Um, what you do 
has just as much weight as the group as a whole. Right. So, and the double-sided part of that coin too, folks, is that if you're coming forth as a man, as a as one of the members of a jury to make police judgment against another man, one of the first things that happens is when you get to that courthouse and they ask you for an ID, they just change the man from a, from a man to a person. You're no longer operating in that actual capacity, and that's why the judge gives you the jury rules. It's, that's backwards. The jury gives the judge the rules. You know what? And that's a, a perfect example there, Keith, as well, because we were talking about agent principal. And so what happens, like Keith mentioned, they're, they're placing you into another role. They're, they're taking you from really being the natural person to being a representative of the juridic entity that they created. And as the juridic entity, that's how you have authority to have standing to make a decision regarding somebody else's life, say maybe in a courtroom setting. But right there is a perfect example of agent principal because now, once again, they are putting you into the, a position of agent or agency. And people slip in and out of those all the time without even realizing. Yeah, and that, you're right. That is a perfect example because they, when, when they bring a defendant into the court, there's one trust going on. That's a constructive trust estate. Now, when they bring the jury in, there's another constructive trust going on because the act that the court acts as the grantee granting the jury through through selection, the ability to judge another man. But in so doing, they convert the manhood to a personage. Through trustee, they assign you a trustee, you sign documents to be a jury member. And then when you're done, you sign another document saying guilty or not guilty. And that's one of the things I've said many times, you know, for instance, you know, since we're speaking about court, if you look around the courtroom, um, you you see the judge, she's there in the capacity acting as agent for uh, the state or the county, both. Um, the, The clerk of courts is acting as an agent for the court. You've got the prosecutor who's acting as an agent for the court and for the state. Uh, if you have defense counsel, defense counsel is acting as agent for the the state, for the bar, for the court, and then lastly for your legal person. So if everybody else in this courtroom is acting in the capacity as agent for something, what in the world makes you think that you are not also the agent of something as well? You're not the third wheel in the situation because you are there acting as the agent for their juridic entity that they created or the organization that was created about 10 days after you were born and through the registration of the certificate of live birth. That's what the certificate of live birth is for. It's the creation of that entity. It has nothing to do with a baby. In fact, nowhere on that document does it say anything about a human being or uh, a natural being or a sentient, anything like that. Oh, it just no, tells they, you it's something name, else. It's a number. Yep. Yeah. Just like that song says, secret agent, man. They made you a secret agent. You didn't even know it, man. They've given you a number and taken away your name. <laughs> what, what, what's your social security? Everybody everybody wants to know what's your social security. Well, that's why. Um, technically, though, really, the, the number for that organization 
would be its registration number and the certificate of live birth. So any communications I've done, uh, for instance, I've mentioned the resignation as agent, uh, anything I've done, any reference to say that organization as they've referenced it is not, I, I don't use straw man. I mean, to me that kind of sends off red flags that you don't fully comprehend what's really happening. You know, it's something else, but you've just kind of tagged this guru word to it. Uh, so any documentation that I've done, I've always referred to the organization by its registration number. That's it. Nothing else. And they've fully comprehended what I was referring to. <laughs> well, yeah, and that, that falls right in line with the 19 CFR 149.3, um, where it states that the shipper, or excuse me, the buyer, the seller, or the ship to party can use a widely recognized commercial identifying number in lieu of the name and address. Now, the thing to comprehend is that if you're not buying and selling, then you must be the ship to party. So we need to relate ship to party to what it is. Ship to party is the final destination. The party at the final destination, which is the beneficial owner as the end user, not for resale. I'm not involved in this buying and selling scheme. I'm the beneficiary. I just need the, the trustee to transfer the property. That's it. You know, a good example of that, <clears throat> something people see every day regarding something being known by a number is uh, down in southeastern U.S., and I think they're growing on, the public supermarket is very popular. Well, if you were to say, I mean, the, the town area <coughs> where I dwell, gosh, there's probably a dozen public supermarkets. So if I just referred to legally if there was a situation i said oh well i purchased that at Publix." that really wouldn't mean anything okay good Publix. what what Publix? well if you look at your receipt you're going to see a store number yep and legally that is their legal identifying number for uh their business it yep. isn't necessarily Publix or their number. address it's their store number yep I use their public number, not their name and address. We have a right to use it just like they do. Yep, absolutely. You know, I'm, I, I'm dying for the chance to use it someday um, just to see what the reaction is. But, you know, I don't carry any identification on me. Uh, people ask me, well, well, how do you identify yourself? And I'm like, well, if me staring you in the eyes isn't evidence of me being alive, you know, then fine. And uh, you, know, you can go by many names, you know, brother or son or, you know, whatever. But I, I wrote down on a card that uh, registration number off the certificate of live birth. And I wrote down the date of its registration. And so I stuck that in my wallet quite a while ago. And I'm really dying for a time that um, I'm walking down the street and uh, somebody approaches me and wants identification. I'm just going to hand them that and say, here, uh, you can look this up. <laughs> well, yeah. that, that's what they really want. <laughs> well, yeah, I've got a friend that um, <laughs> they took her world passport 
And so she ended up dealing with Homeland Security. <laughs> and Homeland Security, through Department of Justice and Department of Defense, wrote back a letter <laughs> with a redress number on it and told her to keep a copy of that letter with her and use that redress number for all future um, identification purposes. Awesome. awesome. <laughs> so now she doesn't even have a passport or ID, or she just uses that letter from directly from the Department of Defense, and it says right on there, cannot admit or deny, which means they have no jurisdiction. Well, and it's funny. So now instead of her having an ad dress, she has a redress. <laughs> Correct. And that's that's the uh, First Amendment. Well, uh, let's see. I've been here for 40 minutes. Um, I've got all the lines open. I didn't mute anybody out this evening when I started this. So if anybody wanted to pipe up with anything, feel free. I mean, that's the reason why we started these podcasts originally was because, you know, it, it's easier to get together and talk in a format like this than it is to do Q&A in the thread of a post on social media. And this way as well, it's recorded so people in the future can listen and maybe gain some insights. And um, at the same time, it's just so much easier to converse back and forth and go through maybe an issue or a problem somebody's having, things of that nature. Um, as it is, I mean, I, I wish more people were comfortable with doing it here on this platform because it would really help everybody. Um, but as it is, I end up spending, I don't know how many hours a week on the telephone with people from all different walks of life, even people really closely tied into the whole truth movement stuff people that should have clues regarding the situation they're in and spend a lot of time with them on the phone during the week It'd free up a lot of my time if it was really done here but hey you know that's life it is what it is i really haven't heard any background noise so i guess i could just make sure everybody was unmuted yeah everybody was unmuted that wants to be hey who's this marco hi hey how you doing Hey, uh, can you hear me? Sorry. Yeah, I hear you, Marco. What's up? Oh, uh, um, well, I got, I got some questions, but they really don't have anything with what, what your guys were talking about. You guys are like a whole another level, you know? I'm, I'm barely just trying to, um, get my authentication going and things like in that regard. Right. I have a, I have a question about. Um, sorry, I'm a bit nervous. I, this is the first time I ever participated in one of these things, these calls. That's fine. It's just yeah. like having a uh, telephone conversation with a friend. That's all. Yeah. Uh, well, I had a question in regards to the, because um, I, I was looking into uh, the Universal Ministries. Right. And and the whole thing with the ordination. Um for, first uh you said that it was out of uh Chicago, Illinois, Universal Ministries. Correct. Yeah. Okay, cuz I, I looked online and the only one I see it, it says uh Universal Ministries but out of Milford, Illinois. I don't know if 
that's the same one or different? Yeah, it, yeah, it might be like a suburb of Chicago or whatever. Just as long, you know, and it's interesting when you go to do a search for them and you put in Universal Ministries, the first like three things that pop up are Universal Life Church or Universal Life Ministries, which I find uh, kind of curious because <laughs> that's really that's not who you want to go through. But uh, yeah, as, as long as it's not Universal Life, you're fine. Just Universal Ministries. And uh -oh. on their homepage, on their landing page, I believe what you'll see normally is a uh, lady in a wedding gown. Okay. Um, well, you, you say uh, not to do the your organization, do, do a non-501 501c3 organization? Correct. Okay, now, if, if you do a non-501c3 organization, would, um, uh, what was I going to ask here? Like, would the opposite of that be the 508C1A? Or is that something totally different? No, it's similar. That's just a uh, another classification for an organization that's formed under the IRS. And so well, what you're really doing is, you, you know, we are created... <laughs> initially by our creator. He's the one that provides right, that, right. that spark, you know? And so, you know, anything we do in any of the churches, the churches should be all formed under the creator as well and not formed under a construct of man. Um, right. With what we've seen going on the last year and a half and churches getting, you know, told they have to close their doors or whatever. The reason why is because um, they're constructed under man. And so man gets to tell them what to do. All right, that's that's what I thought, cause like, I, that's what I was thinking. Like, if we're under God, we're created by God. I really don't want to set up my ordination or be a minister where man has something to do with it. You know, I just want it to be between I and God. Yep, absolutely, know and you know, yep, and you know, a, a secondary reason for doing this as well, because some people are like might be like, well, I don't want to marry anybody. I don't want to baptize anybody. I'm not planning on not giving any sermons anytime soon. Well, that's fine because, it, you know, there's other aspects to this that are, that are important. And one of them is that by doing this, you are actually, you know, putting, you know, that poison pen to letter or to paper and letting them know your choice of law and whose law you are following. Because the bottom right. line, if if you if we don't choose what law we're going to follow and who we are, then uh, other men will decide for us, and we're probably not going to be very happy with the outcome of that. Under yeah. their definitions, brother, the uh, um, uh, the the churches and everything r rely on the definition of public, and so everything in regards to their their definitions in the entirety. Is all public and it tells us in regards to their public ministry in the Bible it tells us we're not supposed to um, pray to our father in, in public we're supposed to go to the uh, closet and pray to our father in private right right and I agree totally 100% but 
with all my heart. But um, I, I was going to ask you, um, like, I was going to talk to the reverend from the Universal Ministry in regards to this, and I was going to ask you, you think it'd be unwise to have open dialogue with him, like, in regards to asking him questions about just to, just like how I just asked you about the 501C a and the uh, 503, 501c3, or should I not even mention that stuff to him? Well, hey, okay. if you want to try and talk to him, that's that's perfectly fine. He's a, he's a very nice gentleman, as a matter of fact. But I will right. say this: it's not it's not a really huge operation, and right. they're fairly busy. So, right. um, if you can get a hold of him, good luck. You know. But if not, just, right. you know, you know, it's not a big operation and, and they're pretty busy and I'm sure I haven't, uh, helped them slow down any. So, <laughs> right, right. It's cause I, I was looking on their website and I don't know if you look, but it has something about, it says, uh, sign up to be a Lord Knight. I don't know if you ever looked into that or anything. What I understand yeah. is it's like, it's like man serving God and, making sure you, you protect your brothers and sisters in this family, family on earth, you know, from the right. darkness. Yeah. I saw that. And I'll tell you what I thought of when I saw it. And I think they were just trying to broaden their audience. Um, right. because, um, the, there's a lot of fans out there of Lord of the Rings or whatever, that would probably love to be a Lord Knight. So, <laughs> well, I think that I think that sounds similar to a Scottish right thing, which is inherent to the uh, thing we've been hearing about the last few years, where you can buy one square foot of Scottish soil, and, right. and that provides some kind of land patent, you know. And that's even that's kind of idiocy, you know, when we think about the scriptures again. If all of their laws are based on the scriptures, and what about Psalms 121, verse 8, where the Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth? In Leviticus 25, verses 23 to 24, where the land shall not be sold forever, for it is mine, and ye are strangers and sojourners with me. And in all of the lands of your possession, ye shall grant a redemption in the land. Right. So what is all this redemption, and who's supposed to be doing it? Why don't people know this? Right. Is that a King James version, 1611? Yes. That you're, okay. It's because it's I've been uh, listening to the audio book, and I'm going to uh, listen to those, to those scriptures you yeah, just mentioned. Yeah. And the only reason I refer to those scriptures is because they're the most uh, simple to comprehend in regards to plain writing and, and what we know today as English language. Most people can comprehend them in their simplicity, is basics. Right. Right. Well, yeah, it, it's uh, interesting if you if you look at the research um, behind the 1611. Just kind of, uh, I think, a funny side note is that okay. uh, T Tyndale tried bringing in his Bible, and uh, King Henry it, it ticked him off. He couldn't stand it, and so uh, they they used a lot of Tyndale's work actually in, along with the Gutenberg and stuff in, in that 1611 and kind of snuck in his info under a different name. I, I just 
kind of get a chuckle out of that. Yeah, I, I can look that up on the web, right? Just history about uh, King James Version 1611 Bible. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of people that supply information regarding that. Uh, I would recommend uh, go and listen to Ryan Reeves. Uh, Ryan Reeves is a um, scriptural lecturer and a historical lecturer. Yeah, college level. Awesome. All right, well, uh, that's all I got for now. I hope my questions help anybody else that's wondering the same. No problem. Absolutely. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it, man. All right. Have a good night, guys. You too. All right. So this brings up us on almost the top of the hour. I'm going yeah, to go I'm gonna drop his YouTube link in the comment section, that, um, Ryan Reeves. Yeah, go for it. And uh, people can go to his playlist. He's got a few different playlists. And um, so you can go and look at like uh, medieval history, all different things there. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, I would, I, I, I loved it when you mentioned Ryan Reeves. It's, I've got him on my YouTubes. Yeah. Very uh, easy to listen to. Yep. Yep. Love yep. him. Um, and you know, other places people can go that I would recommend, um, check out Roy Potter, um, Roy Potter. I've been subscribed to him for a number of years and I kind of didn't pay attention for quite a while because at one time he was really very political. And then when Trump came along in the beginning, he was kind of on the Trump train a lot and I just kind of ignored him and uh, he's you know I've watched him grow spiritually and he's to the point now Roy Potter um, was a lieutenant colonel he's a retired lieutenant colonel and what he says now is that the information he's producing and what he's showing now is basically uh, his retribution for working for the most evil realm that has ever existed in history referring to the u.s he has great disdain for what they've done worldwide and uh, but you can go to his playlist he's got some very inter interesting historical info as well uh, i would recommend his series on eiserman uh, depending on how people view eiserman or think of him he's got some very interesting stuff there and so he's a great source and uh i would point people also to jack rackham uh his name sounds just like you know spelling rackham r-a-c-k-u-m jack rackham and uh he's very entertaining uh, but be prepared for a very quickly paced uh discussion and I would recommend people go, just to give you some resources, go to the Diehold Foundation. <clears throat> they are on the web. They've, they've got a website. Um, they are a 501c3, waiting for him to come around on that one. Uh, but he did it basically for financial protection. Uh, I think eventually he'll come around <laughs> on that situation. But I'd recommend people go into his playlist. Uh, he explains a lot of what we're seeing regarding, uh, say, weather phenomenon right now. 
and he's not one of these crazy way out in left field types of people. He's really done his uh, due diligence looking into things historically and scientifically. And uh, he's also got, you know, some excellent playlists himself on on uh, scripture, on the Old Testament, and Moses. And a lot of these things that you're going to hear from these people, um, they back it up. They can back their info up, but it's not the things that you heard in Sunday school. So I'm just going to give you a fair warning on that one. Well, did you have anything you want to close this out with, Keith? Well, not not particularly, but you just mentioned, you know, these are uh, these people are different. They bring something different to the table, and that's what I'd like uh, everybody to pay attention to is that that's the uh, diversity that we're talking about. That's where your solution is going to be is coming up with the prop, the solution to your problem because no one else has it. So you have to come up with a new solution for you. You have to quit doing the same thing over and over again. And listening to the same people over and over again. And like these people I mentioned, that you're not going to hear sermons or the same old rhetoric that you used to fall asleep to as a child in church, right? So be prepared. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Other than that, well, just, uh, you know me, um, I'm glad everybody's here and paying attention. You know, yep. The only way we get to profess our knowledge is others paying attention because if we're speaking to a, a silent um, audience with earplugs in, then it really does no good to speak on it. So thank you for being here for so we can pass the message on. Absolutely, people. And, you know, every Sunday night, 9 o'clock Eastern time, we're here. And uh, welcome you to come and join. Uh, Tactical Sovereignty is on Facebook, it's on WordPress, and it's Brian Parker Tactical Sovereignty on YouTube as well. Uh, I've got about, well, over 200 created playlists of my own that are each very topic specific. So I would recommend going and looking at the created playlist and not just the saved as well, including some of the videos there. So hopefully those will be some resources that uh, people can um, use to really do what I tell people all the time. You know, you need to learn who you really are, where you're really at, and where you're really from, because we've been deceived for good reason on all three of those. It's all about destabilizing people. If people are destabilized, uh, it kind of creates a little bit of chaos, doesn't it? And we've heard the term order out of chaos a lot over the years and that's exactly what it's about when a chaotic situation is put in place it's very easy to uh, move those people and adjust the thinking of those people involved in that situation so till next sunday everybody have a wonderful week yes god bless good night guys with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.